You are listening to audio from Faith Church. If you are in the Seminole, St. Pete area, we would love for you to join us on a Sunday. To learn more, visit us at faithrs.org. If you have your Bible or your Bible app, let's go to 3 John together. 3 John. It's going to be all the way in the back of your New Testament. And if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you a Bible today. On those tables in the back of the room, you'll find stacks of Bibles. You can take one now or on your way out of worship today. That's our gift to you. And if you don't know your way around the Bible that well, we have put the verses that we're going to study together on screen so you can follow along with us. If you are willing and able, will you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word? All Scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for His people. So listen carefully to these words recorded for us in 3 John, verses 5 to 12. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know, you know that our testimony is true. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. We have been looking on Sunday mornings at the letters of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Last week, we focused on 2nd John, a very short letter. And really, the main idea of 2nd John is that we as the church need to know what to do when deceivers or false teachers come to our door. Remember the historical context. John, the Apostle John, is serving basically as a pastor or an elder in one community, and he writes to that community in 1 John. Then in 2 John, he sends a letter to a neighboring community. So picture John based in Tampa, and he's writing to the Christians in Tampa or speaking to them. That's 1 John. Then 2 John is the letter he sends to Christians in Seminole. And the reason he needs to send that letter to the Christians in Seminole is because the group of deceivers, the false teachers, the liars, who started their dark and destructive work in Tampa, then made their way to Seminole. And so John is expecting the Christians in Seminole to receive some visits from these deceivers. And he wants them, he wants us to be ready for that and to know how to respond when they show up at your door. So here's what he said to us last week in 2 John. He said, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, meaning the gospel teaching, the truth, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. So if a deceiver comes to your house, you don't receive him. You don't receive her. 
You reject the message. You don't give them a platform. You don't provide a non-critical ear. You don't support their work. You don't support their ministry. Second John is about playing defense. It's about protecting our hearts and our homes from the deceptive ideas of our day. Now, I hope last week you heard that message. And I hope you took it to heart. But if you did, there's a risk. There's a risk. And the risk is this. The risk is that you will become so fed up, so frustrated by this evil world that you will not open your door to anyone. You'll just hole up in your house, gather your family, and retreat from the mission. Because you're just so sick and tired of this God-forsaken world And so you retreat. See, if the one temptation is what we could call assimilation, being seduced by the world and the world's deceivers and becoming like the world, the other temptation is separation. Completely cutting ourselves off from the world, not having an opportunity to show the love and share the truth of Jesus. But followers of Jesus must reject both paths. We must reject both assimilation and separation and instead go the way of transformation. First and foremost, the transformation of our own hearts and lives by the power of the gospel and then the transformation of our community, our city, and the world as we share this gospel. God in his providence helps us see that we must reject both assimilation and separation by giving us both 2 John and 3 John. See, if we only had 2 John, we might be tempted to think that following Jesus simply means closing out all the bad ideas, gathering our family, holding up in our house, making sure we are not deceived. And that's what it means to follow Jesus. It's merely that. But God in his providence... In his wisdom, he saw to it that we had this other little letter passed down through the centuries that we now refer to as 3 John. 3 John is about playing offense. 3 John helps us see that there is a time to shut out the faults and there is a time to help the spread of the truth. There is a time to say no to these ideas And there is a time to say yes and to support the advancement of these ideas, the gospel truth. 3 John is another very short letter. Maybe you've never read it. It's a little bit different from 2 John in that it's not written to a congregation. It doesn't address an entire church. In this letter, John addresses an individual named Gaius. And there are two other men mentioned in the letter. Diotrephes and Demetrius. As we sort out these different characters and why they're mentioned, you'll see there's one of them that we do not want to be like. And as we sort out these characters, we'll learn something about mission, something about division, and then we'll have a decision to make. 
So there's our table of contents for the day. Mission, division, and then a decision to make. Here we go. First, let's learn something about the mission. We're going to take 3 John just one verse at a time. We'll work our way all the way through the body of the letter, okay? Verse 5, a little bit of verse 6 as well. Beloved Gaius, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. So again, this is John the Apostle. He's writing to a man named Gaius. He refers to Gaius as someone who has a, a reputation for faithfulness. Now, who was this character Gaius? Well, remember that last week in 2 John, we talked a little bit about the way the early Christians gathered for worship. You remember this? The way the early Christians gathered for worship. They didn't do phase one campaigns. They weren't building preschools. They weren't recon reconfiguring their campus because there was no campus to reconfigure. The earliest Christians, the first century believers, they met in homes. They relied on a few wealthy people in the congregation who owned their own homes to provide meeting space for their regular times of worship. So Gaius probably is one of those wealthy men. He's the host of a house church. He has opened his home and provided space for the early Christians to worship. But now in 3 John, we also learn something not just about the way the early Christians gathered for worship, but the way they scattered for mission. Because someone has showed up on Gaius' doorstep. Look at what the text tells us. Beloved Gaius, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are. Well, who are these brothers that John mentions? It's a group of gospel workers that John the Apostle has sent out. He's obeyed what his Lord Jesus told him to do. What did Jesus say at the beginning of the book of Acts? You will receive power, church. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and then you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses to the end of the earth. John heard that, and he obeyed. So he is sending out gospel Workers, Think of them as pastors, missionaries, gospel workers, taking the good news to new territories. But here's the way it worked in the ancient world. For the gospel to go to new territories, these gospel workers needed help. They needed help along the way. They didn't have hotels back then like we do now. They needed someone to open up their home and provide food, lodging, Financial support so that the good news could go to new territories. Gaius is the host of this house church and now he opens his door one day and what does he see? A group of gospel workers sent by the Apostle John to his house. Now we know that John sent them to Gaius because Gaius has a good reputation. In the past he has received workers like this into his home. John goes on to say, now you will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. In other words, Gaius, I need you to do what you've done in the past. In the past, you have opened your home. In the past, you have been hospitable. Now, let's talk about this word hospitality for just a minute. When we refer to someone today as being hospitable, or we say that's a person who really knows what hospitality is like, what do we mean? We usually mean this is someone who likes to open up their home and throw a nice party for their family and friends, right? They like to decorate the home, cook a good meal, 
invite their friends, invite their family in. Now listen, that's not a bad thing. Of course it's not a bad thing. But that's not what John is talking about. That's not what hospitality is in the Bible. We know that because he specifically refers to these brothers as strangers. In other words, these people who showed up on Gaius' doorstep, he's never met them. He's never met them. And here they are saying, we need you to give us a bed. We need you to give us some food. We need you to provide for the mission. The word hospitality in the New Testament, it's a compound term formed of two words. You know what those two words are? Love and stranger. That's what hospitality is. It's opening your life, opening your home, even to strangers, so that the gospel will advance. So that the gospel will advance. John has never met these people, these brothers. They're strangers to him. Gaius has never met them. And John can say, send them on their way. They need you. The mission will not be a success without you, Gaius. He continues writing. He says, For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Why was it so crucial for Gaius to show generosity here? Because the early Christians, this is important, the early Christians never, never accepted contributions from unbelievers. They didn't accept compensation or donations from unbelievers. Why? Because there were all sorts of traveling teachers in the ancient world. The cynic philosophers, the sophists, and all they wanted to do was draw a big crowd so they could get rich quick. That's what they wanted to do. And the Christians wanted to do everything they could to distance themselves from those type of people. So they never accepted money from unbelievers. But that meant that Gaius and the Christians in the early church, they had to be willing to show generosity. If they didn't, there was no way for these gospel workers to take the good news to new territories. It couldn't be done without the church cooperating, participating in the mission. And that's what John says here. We ought to support people like this, these gospel workers, people who have devoted their lives to the proclamation of the good news. We ought to support them that we may be fellow workers for the truth. Do you realize that when you contribute to the church, when you contribute to the work of gospel ministry, it's not a tax deduction. It's not a tax deduction. It's a spiritual work. It's a spiritual work. You are becoming a fellow worker for the truth. You are participating in God's plan of redemption. You are helping the gospel go to new communities, just like Gaius did so long ago. So here it is. Imagine, just put yourself in his shoes. You're Gaius. You're a homeowner. You've already opened your home for the Christians to worship there. I imagine about as many people as could fit in your house could fit in his. So 20 to 40 people are already meeting in your home every week for worship. Now, one day, a busy day for you. You've already got your own plans. You hear a knock at your door. You go to the door. 
And who do you see? This big group. This big group sent to your house from the Apostle John. You don't know any of them. They're strangers to you. They're carrying a letter. And you get that letter and you begin to read it. And that's the letter we're studying. See, in our day, if you need hospitality from someone, you can ask them in advance, right? We have telephones. We have email. You contact someone in advance and say, I need your hospitality. That's not the way it worked back then. They're on his doorstep carrying the letter in their hands. Gaius reads it for the first time, and here they are. So he has a decision to make. He has a decision to make, and it requires sacrifice. I mean, what if, what if he did have a really busy day? What, what if he had been saving up for a vacation? And now, all of a sudden, John is asking him to take that money, skip the vacation, and invest that money in gospel work. Oh, this was a sacrifice. And not only that, if Gaius is going to do this, he has to take a stand. He has to take a stand against someone else in that early Christian community because not everyone was for the mission. So secondly, we learn something about division. Verse 9, I have written something to the church, John says, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So make sure you get the setting here. Gaius has his house church over here on this side of town. Somewhere on the other side of town, there's another very influential Christian leader named Diotrephes. And it seems like he also is the leader of his own house church. John is aware of both of these men, and John knows that they have very different reputations. Gaius, known for his faithfulness. Diotrephes, known for his selfishness. We don't know a great deal about this man, Diotrephes. We don't think he was a false teacher, because he, if he was a false teacher, we would expect John to talk about his deceit, his deviant Doctrine like he did the deceivers in First and Second John. So we don't think he was a false teacher, but there's some sort of a beef that has developed between this man Diotrephes and John the Apostle. And imagine this: in all of the Bible, this is the only time Diotrephes is mentioned. So here's all we know about him. Here's how he has been remembered through the centuries. He was a man who liked to put himself first. That's his legacy. He was a man who liked to put himself first. And he did not acknowledge our authority, the apostolic authority, John's authority. See, Diotrephes thought he had a better way. He thought he had a better way of running the church, organizing the ministries, he was a man who craved power. One of my ministry mentors who's with the Lord now is a man named Calvin Miller. He was a good friend of our family. Uh, he spent his whole life in ministry, and he wrote an autobiography called Life is Mostly Edges. And here's what he said after a lifetime, a lifetime of doing ministry in the local church. Congregational schisms 
are never about serious things we agree or disagree on. They are rarely heartfelt quarrels about theology or doctrine. They are nearly always contests about who runs things or who wants to. It's been true since the first century. Nothing new under the sun. Diotrephes wanted to run things. He had a better way. So what did he do? He started spreading gossip about the Apostle John. See it for yourself in the text. John says, if I come, I'm going to deal with Diotrephes. There are times when you have to look the troublemaker in the eye, call them to stop, regardless of what happens. John intends to do that. If I come, I will bring up what he's doing. And here's what he's doing. Talking wicked nonsense against us. Spreading the acid of gossip in the church. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. So here's how bad it had gotten in this community. Not only is Diotrephes talking trash about the Apostle John, but he's withholding his giving. He's refusing to welcome the brothers. John had sent gospel workers to Diotrephes' house, and he refused to show them support. And not only that, he tried to get others to follow his lead. See, Diotrephes was creating this situation where he was calling on the church to make a decision. Either you're with me or you're with John. And if you're, if you're with John, then just get out. You're not meeting in my house anymore. Get out. He was a man who craved power. He was a man who created division. And John is bringing all this up to help the church understand that we can either help spread the gospel or we can spread gossip. We can either support the mission or we can support the division. We cannot do both. We cannot do both. So back to Gaius, he has a decision to make. He's reading the letter, he's, he's hearing all of this about Diotrephes. He knows that if he welcomes these missionaries, these gospel workers, into his home, it will mean taking a stand against Diotrephes, and it will mean making sacrifices. You've got to sacrifice that vacation, those plans, whatever it was, so that the gospel will advance. So it's decision time. What is Gaius going to do? Here's how the body of the letter concludes. Beloved Gaius, do not imitate evil. Do not be like Diotrephes, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Don't listen to the negative peer pressure, Gaius. Don't give in to it. Don't support the division. Support the mission. And then verse 12, this is great. This is great. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. Now, who the heck is Demetrius? We haven't seen him in the whole letter. Who's this guy? Where did he come from? This is great. Demetrius probably was the letter carrier himself, the leader of that group of gospel workers standing on Gaius' front porch. So here's how the letter ends. 
Gaius is reading it for the first time. He's got this group of strangers in front of him. He now hears the call, support these missionaries, support these gospel workers. And he looks up, and there's Demetrius right in front of him. It's decision time right now. Can't procrastinate on this one, Gaius, because you're staring eye to eye with Demetrius. Here he is. He needs your help. He needs your help right now. It's decision time. Now, friends, church, we have a decision to make as well. We have a decision to make. Think back through this letter. and Let's focus on application here at the end. We've learned some important things today. Some of this we already knew, and maybe we've just forgotten it. Or maybe we just wanted to disregard it. But here's what we've learned. We've learned that generosity is one of the primary ways we participate in the mission. You can either spread gossip or spread the gospel. You can either participate in the division or participate in the mission. Being generous with our resources is one of the primary ways we help the mission go forward. The second thing we've learned is that division in the church distracts us from this mission. Don't get caught up in the division. And then now, we've also seen it's decision time. An opportunity is before you this day. Make your decision. In the same way that this letter ends with Gaius looking eye to eye with Demetrius, knowing, I've got to welcome this guy into my home. I can't just say, like, Let me, I'll get back to you. He couldn't say, you know what, let me pray on it for a few weeks. They're standing at his door. He knew it was the right thing to do. An opportunity presented itself, and John wanted Gaius to seize that opportunity to help the mission. Now, whether you realize it or not, every week, every week, an opportunity is right in front of you. Every week, someone stands in front of you and says something like, And now we're going to move into a time of giving and prayer. Every week. We have that opportunity to be generous, to share the resources that the Lord has entrusted to us so that the good news of Jesus Christ will go to new territories, new communities, new families. And many of us, Faith Church, many of us have seized that opportunity. A few weeks ago, I sent out a financial update, a report on the first quarter. If you've signed up for our weekly email, you should have received that update. And one of the things I stated in that brief report is that as best we can tell, about 70%, about 70% of our active gospel partners contributed to the mission in the first quarter of 2022. So to those 70%, I want to say this, thank you. Thank you for your support. The mission will not be a success without you. And I would ask you in the days ahead to pray about something. I want you to pray and ask the Lord if your giving has been truly sacrificial. Now that's something that only you and the Lord can sort out. Has your giving been truly sacrificial? Here's the way C.S. Lewis puts it in one of his books. He says, if you have things in your life 
that you want to do, but you can't do because you give so much of your money away, that's how you know your giving is sacrificial. If you have things in your life that you want to do but you can't do because you give so much of your money away, that's how you know your giving is sacrificial. That's the type of sacrifice that was asked of Gaius. So to the 70%, thank you. Continue to pray, continue to give. Now to the 30% of us who have not yet started contributing, let me say this to you. We need you. We need you. The mission will not be a success without you. Maybe you haven't started giving yet because until today you didn't realize it's a biblical requirement. Or maybe you're just new to Faith Church and you've been busy and you haven't had time to set up online giving yet. The opportunity is before you today. Or maybe, maybe you're angry. Maybe you're angry at me. Or you're angry at our elders or our staff about changes we've made in the past or changes you're afraid we might make in the future. You think you have a better way. And so you've stopped giving. Friends, that sounds a lot like Diotrephes. Is that how you want to be remembered? Confess your selfishness to the Lord and you know what? He will forgive you. He will forgive you. He is good and gracious. We need you to help us play offense. We need you to contribute to the work of gospel ministry. We need you to be a fellow worker for the truth. Now here's my final word. If you're an unbeliever and you're with us today, here's what I hope you just heard in all that. Here's what I hope you heard. I hope you heard that we at Faith Church care so much about you that we are willing to give our money away. We are willing to give our resources all because we love you that much and so desire for you to hear the good news of Jesus, our Savior and our Lord, who died in our place for our sins and who was raised from the dead. We love you that much because Jesus loves you that much. So let's pray in his name. Will you pray with me? Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the generosity you have shown us as your people. You gave your life and your all. Help us now to be generous as you are generous. God, this is your plan. It's given to us in your word. These are not suggestions. These are the things you expect of us. You require of us your people. Your mission goes forward as we share the resources that you've entrusted to our care. So for those of us who have not been giving, God, I pray that you would work in our hearts today. Forgive us of our selfishness. Loosen our grip on the things of this world. For those of us who have been giving, but as we search our hearts today, we have to admit we've not really given sacrificially. God, we ask you to free us 
free us of our desire to acquire our, our love of money and material possessions. Teach us to be generous as you are generous. God, our prayer is that the gospel would indeed go forward with great power. Hearts and lives would be changed. We know that requires each and every one of us to be fellow workers for the truth. So work in our hearts today, we pray, allowing us to do just that. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray.